0: The Ghost Goal Podcast. The October international break is winding to a close, but we've got a full slate of Premier League games to pick up the slack this weekend. As the biannual Ghost Goal Bowl, the new age Ghost Goal Bowl between Chelsea and Arsenal is happening this Saturday, 12.30 p.m., and we, of course, here at the Ghost Goal Pod, are here to preview that and much, much more. I'm Alex here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Pod, episode 427. The new Age Ghost Goal Pod, Alex. It, it used to be Chelsea, Liverpool, back when it was uh, me and Andrew uh, on the mics, but uh, now it is obviously Chelsea, Arsenal. Oh,
1: that's not what I meant. I meant that uh, you know, new age in terms of you guys being you know a mid table team and uh, us being the perennial top four team. It's changed. It's a new
0: age, Alex. Win a trophy, win a trophy. Someone it's cares It's coming. About. It's
1: coming this season.
0: Coming very soon right. to a theater near you, Alex. Well, we might as well uh, not beat around the bush. I mean, is, is there anything else from international break you want to talk about? I mean, well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not been, it it's sucked, it's not been a great one for, for our Peru. Two we, uh, my dad,
1: my dad went ahead and got the pay per view for the two Peru games, and we went ahead and played abysmally against Chile in Santiago and lost that game. And then we went ahead and went back home to Argentina and got uh, donked on by Messi. Probably should have had a hat trick, uh, got his goal disallowed, his, his third goal disallowed, but two beautiful goals and you know lots of shame on Peruvian defenders. And, uh, you know, it was uh, just very, very bad for Peru. I hope that the, the, the manager is there right now. These first eight games, we haven't won a game, so he's got to get out of there. You know we, We've got to change things up players like cueva have been frozen out of the 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 national team you know he didn't start a bunch of players like trauco and uh tapia both who were on the bench who as soon as they came on you know peru we looked a lot better in the second half against Argentina and it it's just this 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 manager isn't doing it right now for us you know we're, we're suffering a lot since we lost Gareca. and yeah it's just uh
0: it was always going to be a tough act to follow though because like that was I wouldn't call it a golden generation of peruvian players but you know they did what no team of peruvians had done for 30 years prior by getting you to a world cup and a lot of those players i mean some of them are still in the team like guerrero and Yotun. but it was always going to be hard for any new manager to yeah, come 39 in and year of old guerrero still the starting old players i mean that's crazy yeah, it's rough
1: there's surely got to be other players that... I mean, we when he came off, again, the players that came on looked a lot better. And it just it, it, it begs to dif, you know differ. He didn't get the starting lineup right that badly, where he made four changes at halftime. Have you ever seen something like that? I mean, I've just never seen a manager make four changes at halftime. And, yeah, just shameful. I, I hope he gets the
0: sack. I can think of Tuchel doing that at Chelsea. But uh, in an international play, no, not not really. Um <laughs> But I'm just going to say before we move on to the Premier League games, the one thing I do enjoy about the international break, especially during a time like this, is South America's Commonwealth, you know, World Cup qualifying, especially, you know, being in this hemisphere where, you know, there isn't a time difference. So you can actually watch games at seven or eight or 10 o'clock at night, like that uh, Peru-Argentina game kicked off at 10 p.m. uh, East Coast time in the U.S., a part of me, like it makes me miss, you know, being in England and Ireland and like all of those games, obviously due to the time difference relative relative to here. They they all kick off at seven or eight o'clock, like on a, on like a weeknight. And there's MLS here and some like Mexican league games, but it's just not the same, you know, like meaningful, passionate football, like ball. It's just it's it, it's amazing. I I really enjoy it, and you know, I I generally root for Peru just. You know, because being friends with you and you know enjoying watching Peru play, especially like while you guys were still threatening to get into the World Cup and things like that. But there's just like ever, there's all these other teams like Ecuador. I've just started to love watching Ecuador since we Chelsea signed Moises Caicedo and now this you know wonder kid Kendry Paez. That's that's oh, God, uh, only sixteen. Don't start on him but, already. Oh, I'm starting on him like. I have to wait two years and I'm gonna I'm gonna mention him every chance I get on this pod oh, in those two man. years. Yeah he
1: looks like he's <laughs> he's the real deal already. At sixteen years old, you know, scoring scoring he's the youngest goal scorer. Um he's he scored over this international break for Ecuador. The youngest goal scorer in Commonble history. So you got to think of some of the some of the greats, obviously, that have played in South America, and this guy's the youngest goal scorer playing in midfield, starting in midfield for Ecuador alongside Caicedo, and he can't join Chelsea until he's eighteen years old. But I think he's going to hit the ground running when he comes. You know, he's already going to have someone in Caicedo who he trusts and be able to be integrated quickly, and and it looks like he's already getting experience on a big stage, which is only going to improve the stature of the player. And, you know, while he's be, going to be able to finish, you know, probably high school and be with his parents a couple more years, I think...
0: That dude is not finishing high school. You don't think so? Maybe. <laughs> like, I mean, he might get his
1: education. He might
0: be like Saka and have straight A's and, and finish high school, you know? I'm, just, I'm not saying he's not getting his education. I'm just... And I don't even know the breakdown as to, you know, what the school system's like in Ecuador. But... He's been playing for Independ- uh, Independiente de Valle since he was like fourteen or fifteen. Like he's known he's going to be like a, a rich, like successful footballer. Most of his life, I would I would probably uh, guess. So I, I'm sure he's doing things on the side, but I don't I don't think he's going to school. But what do I know? Um, <laughs> I just think I'm that just it's gonna I, he's I gonna be more mature and
1: not going to be over you overhyped and overused you know necessarily being on Chelsea as a 16 17 year old and then coming in as an 18 year old would be beneficial to him in 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 terms of possibly not you know getting getting there too early you know so i think it's a good move to to wait a couple of years before he comes
0: well there, there, there's no we literally couldn't bring him over right it's the same thing with endrick and real madrid there's... Yeah, those international child labor laws that prevent you from bringing over like kids that young now, which, you know, are I would generally think of those as a good thing. And uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll just have to wait till he's 18. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And for now, I'll just have to stick with watching Ecuador. But, you know, it's, it's that game that I watched last night, Ecuador-Colombia, uh, finished nil-nil, but it was one of the more exciting games of the night there was also like uruguay uh, brazil that was a 2-0 win for uruguay Th- there's always two great games going on in Comeball qualifying every time there's a round of world cup like qualifying fixtures because obviously you know that that region is just full of so many talented teams and then there's like the great equalizer of you know having to you know play ecuador in quito or uh, you know, go to like Bolivia or Paraguay, and even if those teams aren't as talented as some of the the, the dominant teams in South America, they can you know even it out from the altitude uh, in in their home stadium or something like that, or the atmosphere that their their home fans create. So uh, I'm not trying to talk shit on MLS, but because it's definitely on its way up, but it's just it's still not the same as you know World Cup qualifying. That the stakes are so high, especially. If, for, uh, you know, how much more seriously they take their football down there in South America relative to club football here in the States. So check it out next international break, November. I'm sure I can't think of what the games are going to be in November, but I'm sure there's going to be at least, you know, four or five excellent matchups going on after work, nighttime here in the States. It's great. It's a dream. All right. I've held off on this long enough. Let's get to it. The Ghost Goal Bowl, Javier. This weekend, like I mentioned in the intro, Chelsea versus Arsenal at Stamford Bridge, Saturday at twelve thirty PM. We will be watching this one together in the same place, which is I'm gonna theorize it's not gonna end well for me, um, just because of Arsenal's you know general record at the Bridge the last couple of years, regardless of how well your team's doing overall. But I, I wanna know, what are you worried about? Are you worried at all about this fixture? Or are you just flying so high after that Manchester City win that, you know, nothing could bring you guys down? I really don't see
1: a way that Chelsea win this game. Uh, having said that, obviously I mean
0: the way that we A draw a draw would be a win here. I though, think a draw you know? yeah, a draw is probably the
1: best that I can for see Chelsea. happen for Chelsea. Um, I would be extremely disappointed with anything but a win. I think we've come far enough to we don't ha, we within the last year or so teams that haven't had their you know their their stuff together generally haven't been able to to do anything against Arsenal. Occasionally, when a team like Southampton last season or you know Everton this season and last season, um, you know, well, they, Everton lost, but you know they they almost got a result this year and last year they did. You know, if teams sit back and, and and get in a low block and counter us, they, they might be able to get a result, and frustrate us. But when teams try to play in possession, I mean, it, you saw what Tottenham did. They they did it really well. They they pressured us really high up the pitch. They were really high energy. Um, you know, they they had good sequences of play, and they kept up that pace almost the entire game, which is you know what they had to do. So. They didn't really get many chances, and and they they took advantage of our mistakes. Um, And if we do make mistakes, I just don't know if Chelsea are going to be able to take advantage of them, You know, because I'm sure we'll make a couple of them. And I still see us right now as the best team defensively in the league. I think we showed that against Manchester City, keeping them to no chances, keeping Erling Holland to no chances. And I don't anticipate that Chelsea are going to have many chances, and unless you... Have a, a really really good night for Mikhail Mudric and Raheem Sterling in terms of you know finishing. I just I don't know how Chelsea get a result there, you know even in front of your own fans and and the thing is is we haven't conceded a goal away from home yet you know I
0: I I think at most maybe Chelsea get a goal and I was
1: gonna say I could, say, see, I could see that getting... that
0: that run coming to an end I could see a scoring in this game I, right I, mean, I was it... gonna say I
1: I, I I could see you scoring. But I think it's going to be very, very, very difficult for you. We're, you know, we'll let you have the ball. You, you're going to have the ball in your half a lot. You might, you, you're going to have probably more possession than, than us. But I just think every time we have the ball, we're going to threaten you, and when you have the ball, you're not really going to threaten us. So if Manchester City couldn't figure it out, I, I don't know how you're going to figure it out. Um, and I think like defensively, we're we're evolving right now, and if especially if we play Thomas Partey. Declan Rice and Odegaard in midfield which I, I think Arteta might do if you know Partey isn't too fatigued
0: from from international duty with Ghana from that butt whooping he took from the USA last night Did right. you see that yeah they, Ghana started their whole like I'm not saying he looked bothered but you know that does yeah, not feel good
1: but yeah I'm sure that doesn't feel it good it was their
0: full first team and they were down like 3 or 4 nil at halftime just yeah it was a surprising one is all I'm saying um I, quick question: When you when you say Chelsea, you're going to have more of the ball than Arsenal. Are you saying that in a sense that Arsenal will allow Chelsea more possession, like as a yeah? Well, uh, as when a, you as a tactic, yes. When you when you have the ball in your half, it's just
1: you know so far this season and you know throughout last season, you haven't really been that threatening on the ball. It's when you guys are able to actually get into opposing boxes, make sequences of play happen that you know, you've you've actually done stuff. You, you don't have. I mean, Fernandez is capable of of a really nice long ball over the top, but you don't really have I the players that, well. that. Yeah, you don't really have the players right now to finish those chances um, or to get on the ball and control it well enough. So I think Raheem Sterling is almost always that outlet, and you know, it, it's it's not going to be enough. I think we're going to be able to have more than enough defensively to defi- to, you know, deal with something like that. I could even see Tomiyasu starting. Um, I think he's another one that, if he plays, you know, he'll he'll track whatever quick attacking threat you have and just lock them down. You know, as long as Saliba Saliba plays, Gabriel Ben White, I just I, I I don't know how how Chelsea get through that with Declan Rice, Thomas Partey. It's it's daunting. I think it's it's the best defense if we if we have a fully fit team obviously no to no know timber for a long time but if we have a fully fit defensive team outside of timber I think we're still the best def- defensively in the league
0: yeah that may be true but the great equalizer that I think gives us at least a slight chance this weekend is you know our own defense and midfield like the midfield specifically uh it, it didn't start out well because you I think, know, think Moises, your midfields Kassado where you're gonna have into to... it
1: dominate if you can if you can win any battles you're gonna have to win 50 50s in midfield you know you're gonna have to pressure us high up the pitch you have to win balls and you're gonna have to try to attack us if you're not threatening in possession it's just there's no way to beat arsenal because we unless we make like a a freak mistake which does happen it had it already happened a few times this season it's not going to happen that many times um
0: yeah, I'm just saying I think we can keep it, like, relatively low scoring. We also lost
1: one game out of the first 19 last season. So I, we'd only dropped points in three games.
0: Yeah, and it was away at Man United, probably around this time of the year, right? It was—no, maybe a little bit earlier. I think it might have been around, like, Labor Day of last year that you guys lost to United. But um, you went on, like, a, an unbeaten run after that. That was very impressive. I, I just think, you know, with a you know, fully rested Thiago Silva— you know, not retired from international duty, not not playing for Brazil, having to do that transatlantic trip, um, especially at his age, that that'll that'll be good. We have some injury doubts to players like uh, Dziasi and um, Broya and maybe Cole Palmer and uh, Nico Jackson. But I think Nico Jackson's injury was just a wrist injury, which he's been like playing with already, so he should be starting. He's in decent goal scoring form for us decent being, you know, a goal, uh, goals in games against Brighton in the Carabao Cup and then Burnley in the, the last Premier League game. That 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 <laughs> warrants, uh, you know, a goal scoring run of form for us at the moment, because normally we, we can't get anyone to score consistently. Um, so his confidence will be up. I don't expect Raheem Sterling to, you know, have an amazing game against you guys. The, the general trend with him is that when he does do well for Chelsea, it's against lesser opposition like Burnley and Luton this season, where he's had his best games. Um, I, I'm sh- relatively confident that he's going to be marked out of this game, and it's going to be on players like Jackson, like Cole Palmer, if he's if he's fit, and then our midfield, specifically uh, Enzo uh, Fernandez and uh, Moises Caicedo, to trigger those those counter with their you know, long diagonal balls to, like, an opposite wing. You, the, the best example I can give for something like that was the the goal against Fulham, the first goal against Fulham that we scored when Colwell got the ball out in the left wing and played a, a nice uh, weighted pass into Modric to score. That ball out to the wing was all a result of Caicedo winning the ball back and not even needing to look up and play that ball. He just knew that the left back, Levi Colwell, was going to be making that run. So we're, we're going to need some sort of like refined uh, passing like that to give ourselves any sort of like decent chances and that's just half the battle because it's not not even specific to how good Arsenal are defensively you know Chelsea is a team I'm still not convinced that we've broken through and are now you know fixed all of our goal scoring problems so I, I think there's gonna be it's going to be a frustrating one, but I think we can create enough chances that we'll maybe score once and then get a one-one draw. What are you thinking in terms of uh, score prediction?
1: I just uh, I don't know how you keep us to one goal, Alex. I, I I think we're going to have a fit, Martinelli. Saka got to rest because for a we have of a good weeks. defense as
0: well. He should we be have back a good defense? Injury. Are you just are you sleeping on our defense right now, Javier? Yeah, I we're think one we're of the best defenses in the league, you, Alex. Okay, you could. I'm not gonna completely rule that out, but I'm just saying, you know, I think right, people be, are kind of I'll, okay, sleeping I'll, on I'll us give you some work. respect. I'll say two one. Yeah, that, I mean that's fine. You could say three one. I won't I won't be offended by that. Respectful it's, score, you know, Alex. Two one Arsenal.
1: Comfortable two one. We go up two nil. You score, you make it nervy.
0: All right. What other games this weekend do you uh <laughs> do you want to take a look at? Because I've put down four total. We've obviously already hit on the Chelsea Arsenal one which one do you think warrants conversation next?
1: The Liverpool Everton game should be, I think, a cracker because, despite what Everton have done results wise, which was you know losing to Luton at home, right, and then losing to uh, Wolves, I think that, that was a little
0: earlier in the season. But yeah, yeah, lost I think those that two they've two kind of you know they've been
1: a little bit you know up and down, but. In terms of chances created and gameplay, they've been very good. They've been good defensively. They haven't actually given up that many chances. They've made some some pretty bad errors, but I think that their play has generally been a little bit better than what the results have been. And I think this is the type of game where they're going to be ready to. They're going to want to show up in this. Um, they could get blown out, but I think that they'll get some chances against Liverpool. I think this could be a fun one. I'll say three one but uh, maybe even
0: 3-2. Do you think this Andy Liverpool? Robertson injury has, is going to have any sort of effect? I know they have Simikas who can come in, but they're thinking Robertson might be out for like two months from an injury that he picked up on international duty. I, I'm just thinking like Liverpool's defense isn't the most, you know, airtight already, just as a a, a function of how they they play and how open they are. And wanting to score goals, so when you take out like an important player like Robertson, maybe it's not as big of a of a factor as not having someone like Van Dijk. But it has an effect, you know. Simikas is a good player, but he's I think he's Robertson's, not Andy Robertson's also been level.
1: a little bit. He's been underwhelming <clears throat> this season, even at the for half of last season. He he hasn't been the same like swashbuckling, attacking fullback that he was for three years there, you know. So. I think he's fallen off a little bit and I think I don't know about that. I-, I think Simikos might might take advantage of it. I-, I don't know. I think they might improve there a little bit possibly. I, I kind of I-, I was a little bit off Andy Robertson um just in terms of like what he'd been bringing to the team. I mean, defensively he's still been really good, but I think that that's where they might miss him, but offensively he just hasn't been the same type of player. I think losing Sadio Mane was probably a big big reason for that, but
0: Maybe, but do you also think it may just be like a function of, you know, the last year or so, Liverpool have been trying to sort of cover up for the inadequacies of that midfield. So as a result, it's probably not the best idea to have, you know, both Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson bombing all the way up the pitch and leaving both wings vacant when they don't really have a midfield that can cover for them. So I, I agree partially with what you're saying that, like, he hasn't been you know, consistently the same swashbuckling is the word you used. The same swashbuckling, like left wing back who, you know, owns that entire left wing and gets up and down it consistently and contributes to attacks. But I think there's like good reasons for that. So it's probably for the best, for like the team's sake, that he, you know, doesn't contribute maybe as much as he he was, you know, when Liverpool were at their absolute peak. That's what I mean. I don't think
1: he's like he's that he's worth as much of the team as he was before.
0: I don't think that's the same as him, like, not, not being as good, you know, and I'm saying it could have an effect on them in this game in that Simikas is you know, very much an attack minded left wing back. He, he's almost a left winger. I, I can't really think of too many times where he's been excellent defensively, but he has the energy to get forward and contribute in the, the attacking third, but also, you know, the pace to get back and, and cover for himself. I just think, I just think there might be a little bit of joy down that wing, especially if you know Trent Alexander-Arnold is kind of vacating the the right wing and inverting into midfield like he has been. There might be a little bit of joy down both wings for Everton, um, but I'll back Liverpool even so. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say two one, close enough, but Liverpool get the win. This Manchester City Brighton game. Saturday at 10 a.m. Well, I should mention that Merseyside Derby, the Liverpool-Everton one, that's going to be the first game of the weekend, 7.30 a.m. on Saturday. And uh, then there's a whole host of games during that 10 a.m. time slot. But the the one that jumps out the most is the Manchester City-Brighton game. What do you think the chances are that we see a third straight league loss for Manchester City?
1: I actually think kind of high, Alex. I think if there's a time that it might happen, it might be here because... I I think Pep respects Brighton and DeServey a little bit too much. I know that in the past that's meant, you know, generally against a a weaker Brighton side that was battling relegation, they would get spanked still, and he would praise them. But there's been closer games. I think, didn't Brighton get a result against them last season?
0: No, I remember Erling Haaland scored a hat-trick, I think, against them last season. He, like, abused Lewis Dunk. In the home game, at least. I can't remember what happened. in the, Oh, no, the away game, they got a draw with Manchester City because it was like the last game of the season and City yeah, had already yeah, won yeah. the title.
1: Yeah, they, they, they drew. Yeah, you're right. But they didn't really care about that game. Um, I don't know. I'm uh, hopeful that Brighton was going to show up for this game. Uh, I think they do have some injury problems right now, though, and that's going to add to their woes. I think Rodri being back is also going to be a huge deal. I think he'll just whip them right back into shape and the way that they've been leaking goals i could see this being a shootout you know brighton getting a couple of goals but i could see getting city getting you know four or five as well i think they miss that that defensive solidity that rodri brings and that you know spraying of balls to whatever wing and wherever part of the pitch that rodri wants you know the guy can put a ball on a dime so when they... Not to
0: mention his like goal scoring impact,
1: right? Like, also his yes he, late runs into the he's box. Not, he's threat. not Erling
0: Holland, but he can he can make a late run into the box, or he can just shoot from distance. Like shooting from distance is an art form that has kind of been phased out of the game with the introduction of like you know football metrics. Like it's not valued as like a high percentage chance, so coaches don't want their players to shoot from distance as often as we we used to see. But when you're as good at it as a player like Rodri is or you know Kevin De Bruyne or Saka or Odegaard, those players, they obviously have the green light to, to shoot from pretty much anywhere. But most of the time, we, we don't see that. And just that as as an asset or as like a factor in how how your team uh, attacks defenses and how those defenses have to consider the fact that if a ball gets deflected out of the box and just lands at Rodri's feet at the top of the box, He's probably going to put it on target, like very at the very least, with uh, a lot of pace on it. So it's uh, it's definitely a big factor uh, to consider. And it's I mean, you you just you took my point basically. Rodri being back, I think, just fixes a lot of the the, the problems and provides like a cohesiveness to Manchester City. But no, I think there'd the be there'd be a lot
1: of question marks and, and they'll win. probably too much. Yeah, I think they'll win because just there's, there's there's a lot of pressure on them after two losses to turn it around and. You know, they're they're definitely good enough to do it. So I think Holland's been kept quiet a little too long. I, I feel like he's bursting at the scenes to get another hat trick here.
0: Yeah, and also he's fresh off of uh you know, not only losing that game at Arsenal, but, you know, they turned around and got knocked out of the 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 consideration for the Euros, uh in, in this last international break when they, you know, lost at home to Spain. So it's gonna be Spain and Scotland that go to the Euros and we're gonna have a Euros with no Norway, and Norway haven't been to a major tournament since Euro 2000. So I'm sure Holland's pretty pissed off uh, at this point and is gonna take it out on Lewis Duncan and company. Um, I'll definitely be captaining Holland in fantasy this week, and that's not really a secret. I captain him every week, but uh, he's he's gonna have a big performance. I think I'd honestly say like four one Manchester City. Yeah, I'll say four two. Four two, okay. Yeah,
1: four
0: two. Finally, the uh, the other game that sort of jumped off the the page to me today uh, is a, a Sunday game. The only game on Sunday, Aston Villa hosting West Ham. Two upper mid level uh, or mid table teams uh, in Villa and West Ham. Uh, at two teams Villa Park, better than at Chelsea. A. M. For sure. Yeah. At the moment, we'll uh, we'll see about that. There are two teams that have beaten Chelsea, so yeah, I guess I can't really yeah, deny that. At they've the moment. already beaten
1: you this season,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, they Villa are in fifth in the table right now, a point behind Liverpool, and uh, West Ham are in seventh, two points behind Aston Villa. Villa have made a pretty good showing of things at Villa Park so far this season. You know, obviously that what was it six one uh, result against Brighton comes to mind. But I think West Ham actually might have like a, a better chance at uh, getting a result here than Brighton do. Because West Ham are another team kind of similar to, to Villa that, you know, they, they do want the ball. They're not, you know, completely uh, you know rejecting the idea of like getting getting possession and creating chances. But when they're away from home against a, a team like Villa that have like a similar talent level than them Sometimes benefits West Ham because it puts them in a position that they're more comfortable with of sitting back defensively and breaking on teams. So I a player say, like, Jared I, really Bowen like Bowen I
1: really like could, their. Could you their have a great time in this. I think uh, that that midfield of Ward Prowse, Edson Alvarez, Thomas Suchek, and uh, you know, kind of Lucas Paqueta to lead the the as the ten um, with Bowen and Antonio or or Bowen and and Kudus in front. I mean, I think this is might be the best West Ham team we've ever seen, and in in the Premier League, I know there's been some pretty good ones back, and uh, you know Dean Ashton's day.
0: I was, I was about to say, I was going to go back even further. Paolo Di Canio with uh, yeah, De Canio like Joe, well. Co- Joe Cole and Frank Lampard and Rio Ferdinand, all okay. young boys okay. back okay. then. Yeah, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe that team has uh, something to say. But
0: but but that team that team didn't win a trophy, let alone a European one. And this team is fresh off winning a, a European trophy. So yeah, I mean, that, that may not be the, I mean, the, they the just worst. Came in shout. And, and,
1: and drew uh, a Newcastle team that had just destroyed PSG in the Champions League. So. You know, a team that was coming off a big high of that, maybe a little bit hungover, but I thought they played really, really well against Newcastle. Um, and I think they're going to give Villa a run for their money here. I see this 2 2 draw, Alex. I, I think it's going to be a fun one. Goals on both sides. I think both teams will probably be, end up being satisfied with the draw because they'll, they'll, both teams will miss chances.
0: I think Villa having Ollie Watkins is the. the... This is the kind of game that he he makes the difference in because like West Ham they have good players good you know midfield depth and you know Mokudus certainly looks like he's starting to uh, become acclimated to the league but they don't have that consistent number nine just yet they signed Danny Ings from Villa to try and you know fill that void and I, I've barely seen him in the team since uh, since signing. But Villa have Ollie Watkins, and he's you know looking like he's back to his best. He scored uh, for England in their their friendly win against Australia last week, um, from a Jack Grealish like shot that was going in. He just nipped in and, and tapped it in at the back post. He looks really sharp, and in a game like this, where I think Villa will have most of the possession, but West Ham will have their moments too. It could be those moments where West Ham think they're starting to you know push for a goal themselves where they get called on the counter and someone like Ollie Watkins or John Duran or someone like that with with their pace and, and timing of their runs could could really uh make I just make I don't West believe Hamm, in Villa you know,
1: outside of Villa Park right now Alex I just I think that they this they is show at Villa that Park. at Wolves This is at Villa Park. Oh, this is at Villa Park. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was at West Ham. Okay, then well then that, that no, no, you no. know then, well, yeah, I could see when
0: I put a matchup in the running order, whatever team is first is the home team.
1: Oh yeah, my They're bad, doing... my bad. No, so yeah, if this, this is a home game, then I could see them getting results against West Ham.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be that different from you though. I'm going to say like three-two Villa. Uh, it's it's going to be an exciting one though. I'm. Uh, I'll stick they, with they my 2 I think West Ham well. are uh, are
1: are on a really big high and a good run right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say they get a result here, but. Villa definitely could get a win here. I mean, it, it's they've they've blitz teams at home and their crowd gets behind them. They uh they've got some energy, so I think they're they're similar to Newcastle in that they're going to be really really hard to beat at home. But perhaps, you know, a mid-table team away from home.
0: All right, Javier. It's that time of the pod again. It's time to go to the kitchen. See what Javier right. I'm not is cooking, cooking up, up Linda
1: and Johnny Evans this week, Alex.
0: I was about to no say, more man, Lindelofs really, and Johnny Evans. You really disappointed us with that one.
1: Last no, no, week. no. I was just trolling around a little bit, you know. But no, yeah, you're right, Alex. This week, I've got some good picks coming at you guys. You know, you got to get some good picks in here because there, there's some great game weeks.
0: It's whoever can I just say, can I just say, I. I love a good troll as much as the next person, but we're still early. It's this, this segment is in its infancy and you're sullying the sanctity of your own picks. That's in fair. Fantasy. I won't do People that. i not going to want to take your advice. No, if you're no, trolling no. them and giving no, them knew. Johnny they knew. Evans they knew. and Harry McGuire. Yeah. You, yeah you, only because you, were... you said it after the fact. <laughs> All right,
1: but let's talk about a real United player, Alex, that we should bring into our teams. Bruno Fernandez. He's gone down to 8.4 mil. Um, He's one that I thought earlier in the season would really kick on, but looks like a lot of United's players, uh, you know, just haven't been really firing. But he has really high expected goals, um, which I know you're going to laugh at that, Alex. But uh, he has high expected goals. He has high expected assists. His team hasn't really been finishing his chances. I think he has the highest expected assists in the league, but he just, you know, his the players aren't finishing. But I think Rashford had a really nice, you know, sequence. With England over the break, really nice goal. He might have a little bit of confidence, um, and I think Anthony's now back. So I think United might be able to sort out offensively their team. Um, you know they had a few red cards. They're going to have those players back. They they had the international break. I don't know. I think United are going to hit have to hit the ground running here, and I think if they do, it's going to be through their captain Bruno Fernandez. Um, so I would bring him in if you're looking at getting a a, a differential midfielder, eight point four mil. You mentioned him earlier in the pod, Alex Simikas, He's 4.4 mil. He, if you know Robertson's out for two months, that might be a great little pickup. Um, if you want to get into Liverpool's defense backline for 4.4 mil, he'll definitely be going up in price. People are going to be picking him up. Um, so I would pick him up pick him up as soon as possible. Maybe even take a, a point hit for him. Uh, I might be doing that myself. And lastly, Alex. Um, well, I, can I I'm just not, can I just mention yeah. on
0: the Simicast point? Uh, I think it's it's worth noting his the, the Liverpool schedule is obviously this Everton home game this weekend. Then they they have a home game against Nottingham Forest, an away game against Luton, uh, and then two tougher games against Brentford at home and City away. Then after that, they have Fulham at home, Sheffield away, Palace away. Before their schedule gets uh, tougher around Christmas. Um, and so and. The, and- just so something to point out, as well. yeah, um,
1: is that Simikas is, you know, one of the few left-footed players in the Liverpool team, and Robertson took a lot of the corners, um, for, you know, when it, that suited a left-footed player, so Simikas might be doing that. He also got assists, I remember, last season um, when he came off, you know, when Robertson was injured for a few games and Simikas played, he was, he was a good asset offensively, so even if he's not getting clean sheets, he might be getting some assists or, or a goal here and there, so um, yeah, I would... Definitely would bring him in. And then Anthony Gordon, Alex. Uh, I never thought I would say this, but he's been kind of producing. Uh, He's only 5.6 mil. So if you want like a cheap midfielder, um, if you're, you know, thinking of selling, I I did it, Alex. I sold Matoma. Can't believe I did it. But, you know, uh, I'll definitely be probably bringing him back if I think he's, you know, going to be on form. I know Brighton have a pretty decent run after, uh, not this week, but next week. Um, they're gonna they're gonna start like a pretty good run of games because they've gone through a really hard gauntlet so far um after starting the season off you know really really easy four games I think again they might they might rack up the goals later on um, so I'd probably bring him back after a couple of games but Anthony Gordon he's one to look at um you know he's only 5.6 mil and he's had you know I think two two or three goals this season um and he has three assists. And he's been featuring more and more in Eddie Howe's plans, and he seems to be uh, with the Harvey Barnes injury. I think Harvey Barnes out for three months. Gordon's going to be like a huge part of everything that um, you know. There's no more uh, same Maximon like like uh, last season. He's gone as well. So the wing options aren't plentiful right now at Newcastle, and Gordon's going to get a lot of game time. Newcastle have a good run of fixtures as well.
0: Well, their next two games are uh, home Crystal Palace and away Wolves. Uh, then they host Arsenal, so that's the one, like, tough one. Um, and then they have Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, United at home. There's a lot of goals um, in those games. It, but, but when they have home games, I, I know Arsenal, you would expect Arsenal to go and do well there and win like they did last season. But Newcastle's home advantage is, is so great that even if a fixture looks tough, as long as it's a home game, you, you think, yeah, he could, you know, score or assist and Newcastle could have, like, a, a good game and win regardless um but yeah that's uh, i don't hate that one the, the one thing I, I doubt is that whether he can do it consistently because most of his points are from two games <laughs> you know he he had uh, he had a goal in the liverpool home game in the third game of the season and then which was 10 points in fantasy and then he had 12 points in the the sheffield united away game where they you know beat the shit out of the mate nil there, and other than that
1: yeah there there's not too another, much. there's there's one last one alex che- another cheap option at striker Huang He Chen, five point four mil. I think he's definitely gonna go up in price. He's only owned by one percent. He's got, I think, four goals already, five goals this season already, which is a good return. And he scored in the last four games. Three of those games were actually pretty good games to score, and he scored against Liverpool at home, Luton away. Which you know, it's good good for him that he still scored in that. Um, sorry, he didn't score in the Luton game. Then he scored. Uh, Against Manchester City at home and against Villa at home, so if he's at home, he looks like he's scoring goals right now, um, and even against good teams. So you know he's one to watch because if he's the only outlet and he's on penalties for Wolves, you know it might be him and Neto as the only you know real options that you could you can use defend, uh, offensively um, in that team, and they're both very very cheap. Neto five point six, Huang Chan five point four, um, and if Wolves end up being a decent team, uh, you know it might be good pickups later on. They've already got some pretty hard fixtures out of the way, you know, so.
0: Javier, you made up for it. Those are some good picks. I uh, wholeheartedly agree with all of them. And uh, thank you for you know, bringing this seriousness back to this uh, fantasy segment. H- Javier's fantasy kick We're going to start, like, calling it that, referring it, to it as that, like it's, like it's sponsored, even if it's not. Um, but who knows? Maybe we could get it sponsored sometime in the future. All right. We said uh, that this might be a short one today and uh, we went our usual 40 minutes. So uh, golf clap to us too. We can talk about football for 40 minutes uh, with our eyes closed, basically. Javier, thank you for jumping on this one. I'd say good luck to you this weekend, but I I don't mean it at all. I uh, hope you crash and burn and half your team gets injured. Um, And if you want to follow Javier, see, you I can don't do need, so I don't need to wish on Twitter, that on Twitter, Alex,
1: because uh, I know I am going to win. Because it
0: happens to us anyway every week, so yeah, yeah. You're you don't, be, we don't need that. Yeah, I don't, I that's, don't, why I'm, that's why I am, that's why I am wishing it's it on you. Three Point Bridge, yeah. Alex. Hopefully, we can pass along our our uh, lack of goal scoring curse and our injury curse along to you guys when you guys come to the bridge. Like I was saying, if you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can follow him at Javier Nine. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at asmoss Ninety Two, and you can follow the podcast socials at Ghost Goal Pod. Enjoy the return of the Premier League this weekend, and until next time, see you.